sing. Let's stand to our feet as we prepare to worship. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you were able to get here. When this storm started coming toward the Gulf, I thought, man, I hope we can get to church Sunday because uh, it floods so easily over here on Canal Boulevard. But uh, you made it. Hello. It's good to see you. 
Yeah, we're glad you're here. I keep getting questions about Texas. I actually wore my boots today because I was thinking about Texas and also because they're medicinal. Yes, the Dr. Brunet, the orthopedic surgeon, you remember him? He always wears cowboy boots. He said it's good for your back. So my back is, you know, a little bit, so I just thought I'd wear the boots. And uh, it's a great day in which to be in the house of the Lord and give him honor and glory and praise. Did you get a worship guide when you came in? The worship guide is important. If you didn't get one, if you'll raise your hands, somebody will give you one. We got them back here at the uh, doors, so if you didn't get one, you can also pick one up right there, uh, just inside the doors, all right? That tab is for everybody to use to communicate with us. If you are new, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. We love having you. And if you'll give us a little information, we'd love to send her a, let, a letter to you. We also have a gift for you at the welcome desk as you depart today. If you'll go by there and just tell them this is your first time here, we'll be glad to give you a gift, all right? And uh, that you can remember us and pray for us. So uh, use this tab to communicate with us, okay? Um, I want us to read the entire text of the message today. We've been reading a portion of it. It's the prayer at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. It starts with verse 14. It goes to 21. And we've been reading uh, two verses about in the middle of it. But I want us to read the entire text, okay? And we're going to read it together. It is a prayer, okay? So let's read together. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a great prayer. We're going to be looking through that prayer this morning as we have the message. It is great to have Jackie Bro with us. I'm told she's in the room somewhere. Where is she? Right there. Miss Jackie, we missed you. We stutter-stepped, almost couldn't have church. It's been several months, and we're so glad that she's back after her surgery. Um, I've had many ask about my friends in Texas, and they are fighting the flood. Well, I'm going to pray for uh, Patsy and Roger Partain this morning. There are pictures of all their stuff up on the tables and everything, and their street completely flooded. And we don't know what's going to happen next, but we know the streams of uh, rain continue to come across that southwest quadrant of Houston, which is Fort Bend County, where I was a pastor for five years. Uh, we have family members that are in the way of that flooding. I know you have friends and family as well. So let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have sustained us and restored us through these years since the great storm took so much of our community and our own personal lives. So we thank you, God, that we understand the journey of that. We pray for those who are caught in the midst of this terrible flooding in Texas. Lord, I pray for Patsy and Roger, uh, for many others that we know and love, and we mention their names to you right now who are in the path of this storm, who some of them are enduring flooding in their homes, in their neighborhoods. Lord, we pray that you will keep people safe, that you will strengthen them in the inner being, 
with the courage and wisdom they need to know how to handle these stressful, difficult, and even dangerous circumstances that are about them. We commit our family and our friends unto you this morning and pray that you'll watch over them in every way. Lord, we thank you for Jackie, that she's back with us today. We remember many others who have struggled with illness and surgery. And God, we just thank you for your intervention on their behalf. God, we thank you for this day that you've made. We want to bring you praise today. We want to give you the glory that is worthy of your name today. Enable us to sing like we mean it. Enable us to pray with all our hearts. Enable us to hear your word and to heed it. God, do your work in us. We are anxiously waiting for what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we're live on Facebook. Hello, everybody watching us on the live stream. Uh, We're glad that you've joined us today. We do want you to share the live stream. Go to FBNO, First Baptist New Orleans, Facebook page, and just go ahead and share it by phone on your own Facebook page, and that will give your friends an opportunity to join us live as we have our worship today. Really makes a difference, all right? Let's take a moment and introduce ourselves to somebody near us, all right? Shake hands with someone. Welcome them to First Baptist.
we praise you, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, because you are worthy of all of our praise. You came to us in our imperfections, and you gave us the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son, and his blood. Father, speak to our hearts this day. Convict us of our sin. Change our lives. Change the way we behave. Change our attitudes. Change our thoughts, Father, that we may glorify you in everything that we do and we say. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we've already gone through the text, so you may want to open your Bible again to chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in 14 through 21. We are winding up the first part of this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And most people would say that the first three chapters deal a lot with doctrine and theology, and the last three deal more with practical application of that theology and understanding of God and His grace to our Christian life. So starting next week, we're going to be in chapters 4 through 6, and we're going to be talking more about the messy grace. In, verse, in chapters 1 through 3, we have more of the grand scheme of God's purpose, His eternal purpose in our lives. In chapters 4 through 6, we begin to talk about things like family and marriage and children and work and the daily activity of the Christian soldier in his culture. And so it will all climax in that full armor of God passage that many of us have visited many times where Paul says, put on the full armor of God so you may be able to withstand against the evil forces that come against you. And we'll deal with that in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. We have the new devotionals. They are out on the table in the foyer. We'd love for you to take one. They are free, and you'll be reading as you go through the devotional. You'll be reading verse by verse with uh, just some thoughts and reflections about it through the passage that I'll deal with that next Sunday, all right? So we'll start that next week in this series, Amazing Messy Grace. We'll be looking at chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, starting more with the practical application, the ethics of being a Christian in the world. And the Apostle Paul climaxes those first three chapters with this beautiful prayer that he speaks uh, to the Ephesians and writes in this letter, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And we know this is the inspired Word of God. The great apostle is praying for the Christians in Ephesus whom he knows and loves. He spent some two years and perhaps more in that church in Ephesus, helping them grow in grace in the love of the Lord. And he loved these folks. And so this prayer, you know, that he prays for them comes right from his heart and right from the Spirit. And we know that it could be not only for those folks in Ephesus, but also for the believers in New Orleans. This prayer applies to us as well. So we want to take it all personally this morning, all right? We want it to be personal to us. The Apostle Paul wrestled with the same thing that we wrestle with in every generation of believers. That is, the Christian cooperating with God in the prayers being prayed for them. God needs something as people pray for you, as your mother prays for you, as your spouse prays for you. God needs your cooperation, all right? Addison Ray was born on Friday. She weighs six pounds and 15 ounces. She's a little bitty life. 
Carrie and Jeff, her parents sit right here in the front part of this section, all right? And we're so delighted that she's in the world. She doesn't have a very big vocabulary right now, though she can be verbal, right? And she can also be nonverbal, like babies can be. And the scripture says that believers are sort of like babies, and they have to grow up. And sometimes a baby doesn't know how to cooperate with the parent in getting cleaned up or getting fed or going to bed. And sometimes they resist the very things that are good for them to do. And sometimes because they don't know or perhaps in the short term it's kind of painful or just uh, uncomfortable for them, they don't cooperate. I want you to think about how you can cooperate with God in this prayer the apostle prays for believers. All right? Your cooperation. I'm going to suggest some things to you as we go through the prayer. Ways that you can cooperate with God as the great apostle prays, and he prays a prayer that fits you perfectly. And the first one is, kneel through your sorrows. Now, you know he begins this prayer with, for this reason. And you might be thinking, well, what's the reason? Well, the last thing he said was, I do not want you to be discouraged. Because of my sufferings on your behalf. And he was talking about being discouraged by sufferings. That's the last thing he said. Now, there's some more things in for this reason, but I want you to kind of key on that. He knows that there's a possibility of discouragement when you go through pain and trouble or somebody you love, somebody you admire, goes through pain and heartache. And maybe they're sick. Maybe somebody that you love dies. Well, when those things come upon you, it is possible to suffer discouragement as a follower of Jesus. Somebody who's trying to walk in faith, but now you're discouraged because trouble has come into your life or the life of somebody that you love. And I'm going to suggest to you that kneeling is a great way to go through the valley of the shadow. All right? Now, it wasn't the usual way for the Jews to pray. Usually, they stood, and you can see that in the Scripture as well as in the parables of Jesus, where they will stand to pray. It was a common practice for them to stand and pray, but sometimes they knelt. Now, it was common practice for us to kneel in Holly, Minnesota, in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, where my father was pastor. There was a little room at the back of the sanctuary where the men went to pray every Wednesday, and even though I was seven or eight years old, I was one of the men. And when we went in there, there were hard wooden benches, and there was a hard wooden floor. And those men would pray forever, and everybody knelt. All I remember about praying back then was how hard it was on my knees, okay? (laughs) I can't remember a single prayer uttered in there for the four years my father was pastor of that church, but I sure remember how hard that floor was, okay? So that was our common practice. But you know what? It was uncommon, maybe, for people in Paul's day. But he recommends it here. And he says, even I kneel before the Father. When you kneel when there's a great burden on your heart, when you are really troubled, when you're emotionally uh, stirred up and upset, it's a great time to kneel. Solomon knelt to pray when they dedicated the temple. Stephen knelt in the streets of Jerusalem as they beat him to death with rocks and he was martyred for his faith in Christ. He knelt to pray. Peter knelt beside the deathbed of Dorcas. Paul knelt with the elders from Miletus, from Ephesus. These elders here that he's talking to, he knelt with them and they prayed as he wept And told them, I'll probably never see you again. Jesus knelt when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Troubled, nigh unto death with a sorrow on his heart. And he knelt in that garden and alone he prayed, Father, you need to kneel sometimes. I'm going to recommend that sometime during this week, you slip out of your bed before you go to sleep or after you wake up. And you kneel down beside your bed. And you think about in your kneeling that you're becoming vulnerable before the Father in heaven. That you're just opening up your heart. That you're submitting, that you are kneeling and submitting unto him. That you're coming in the posture of supplication. 
you're asking for something. Sometimes people would run up to Jesus and they had somebody who was dear to them who was sick and they would fall down at his feet. They would kneel before him and they would bring their petition. Oh, Lord, my daughter is sick. Please speak the word. I'm going to recommend that you get in that position of petition to the Lord and that you kneel. And particularly, if life is difficult right now for you or somebody you love, if you're going through a really hard time, just emotionally, inside, I'm going to suggest to you that you kneel. Find a time, find a place, find a private spot, and kneel before the Lord. And bring your petition unto Him in humility, supplication, submission unto Him. Vulnerability before Him. Kneel before the Father. Now, He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're kneeling before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus knelt before his Father when he went to Gethsemane. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He addressed God as Father when his heart was full of sorrow. So I want you to think about that as you kneel, that you're kneeling before the Father in heaven. Now, Jesus taught us that we earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children. So then how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? All right, so you kneel before the Father, and you know He is the Father of all comfort and the Father of tender mercies, and you bring your petition before Him just as plain and honestly as you can. All right, kneel before the Father, and remember this, He is the first Father. He is the great Father. He is the Father who made heaven and earth. Every family... You got a family? You part of a family? Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name from this Father before whom you kneel as you pray. Every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Now, what that means is he is the first. He is the prototype Father. And every single family on planet earth, derives its existence from the Father in heaven who made all things. And even being a father, an earthly father, and I am one, and I love being one, and my daughter is right here, and my grandson. I love being a father. But every father on this earth derives something of his existence from the Father in heaven who is our example, who is the great Father. So fathers, when you struggle with your children, in your marriage, with your finances, and you want to provide for your family, and you have those feelings inside as a dad, you can rest assured that the Father in heaven knows those feelings and understands them. That he understands where we are as we come to kneel before him and bring our petitions to him, particularly in the difficult and sorrowful times of life. Kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's the first thing God needs from you as people pray for you. Cooperate with God. By kneeling before him and expressing your heart before him in prayer. Now, second thing, very important. Be strengthened in your inner being. All right? That's part of this prayer. Be strengthened in your inner being. I know that we go through lots of effort. To take care of this physical body. And some of you are trainers. And some of you are in training. And some of you go to the gym. I suspect that Timothy. Paul's adopted son. Probably exercised. Because those young people just run circles around me. When I'm out walking. 
and I see them going up and down and all the young people, and if a person runs toward me, I expect they're probably younger than me. Not all of them are. Some of them are older, and we got them in this church that are still running. I used to run, but now I walk, okay? But uh, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says to him, look, Timothy, glad that you're all muscled up. You know, bodily exercise, physical training has some value, okay? That's what he says. So go ahead and take those supplements. Make sure you eat right. Get your exercise, okay? You want this body to stay in shape. That's good. It has some value. But then he says this, but godliness is valuable for all dimensions of your life. Godliness is even more dimensional, so more important in so many dimensions. So I want to ask you, how much time do you spend in the gym? And how much time do you spend working on the inner you? See, the inner you is the eternal you, the one that's now and forever. And the, the work that you do on the inner you, the growth of the inner you, the strength that happens inside of you is good both now in this life and forevermore. It has great value. And it has greater value in this life. Now, this is true, okay? Even than the physical things you're tr you need to do and that have some value, all right? The inner you is even more important. You could pray this, in fact, for the people who are there in Houston right now, who are in Fort Bend County, that God would strengthen them in their inner being. I've been reading Patsy's posts on Facebook this morning, trying to keep up with what's happening. And the first picture she has is of water running through the street and a car that's obviously underwater in front of their house. And then she has a picture at 1 a.m. where she's out and it's raining five inches an hour and the flood is coming up and you can see that the water's deeper than it's been before. And now the water's in her garage and it's coming to their entranceway. And the next picture she has is all the stuff stacked up on the tables and the countertops and everything that she can get up off the floors now on the floor on, on something high in Patsy Partain's house. And as she wrote her post, she said, and I'm just praying for all the people who never had a chance to get anything off the ground because overnight they went to sleep and it hadn't rained that much in lots of those places. And all night it hammered down and they didn't know it and they got up in the morning and their house had water in it. And every road out is now flooded. And Patsy's last post said, it's too late to leave. What do you pray for? Pray for strength in here. Pray for courage. Pray for sound mind. Pray that they'll work together. Pray for a spirit of cooperation. Pray for wisdom for first responders as they go out into the flood. There's so much you need to pray about the inner people, you know, the inner you. It's not just about the mechanics of life. It's about the attitudes and thoughts and ideas that shape who we are. Are you taking care of the inner you? That you may be strengthened in your inner being with power from God through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to strengthen us inside. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit on that glorious day in Acts chapter 2 when at Pentecost the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit is here to instruct us. And Jesus said that would happen. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's the trainer. He's the counselor. He's coming. And he's going to take care of you. He's going to teach you. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you on the inside. So that's why Paul says, be strengthened by the Spirit in the inner being. Don't forget, you have this wonderful advocate this one by your side who is the personal presence of God to you in your life's journey and the daily advocate on your behalf. Be strengthened by the Spirit in your inner being. God needs your cooperation in this matter. God is trying to strengthen the inner you. Now, I want you to think about one thing in your life that weakens the inner you. I'll bet you're not a chain smoker anymore. Right? 
Not everybody quit smoking in here, but I'll bet most of you have because you know it does harm to your body. When I was a boy, there was a Sunday school class. They used to get their attendance by, they, they'd meet out under a tree, Bert Pope told me. And he said they'd work their attendance by counting the cigarette butts and dividing by three. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? <laughs> yeah. We had a deacon in our church when I was a boy. He used to smoke through a hole in his throat because he got throat cancer. He'd stand outside doing that. Oh, gosh. We don't do that anymore, okay? Think of one thing in your life right now that weakens the inner you. And when it's done, you know you're weaker. You know you've hurt yourself on the inside. Think of it, okay? Maybe you know that it's poison to you. You might even know that it's deadly to the inner you. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to cooperate with God about that thing that you know is damaging the inner you? Because he wants it out. Paul says, I want to run my race successfully. I want to be the one who breaks the tape at the end of this race. And therefore, in order that I might perform at the highest possible level, I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection. I exercise the discipline of an athlete on the inside of me so that I can be a winner instead of a loser in the most important race I'll ever run, which is the race of the Christian life. To hear the well done of God one day as you stand before him. Are you willing to cooperate with God in the thing he intends to eliminate from your life? Because it's killing you. It's hurting you and the people that you love. And it needs to be gone. Will you cooperate with God? Will you kneel before the Father this week and say, Lord, I know this thing in my life weakens me, hurts me, damages me on the inside. And maybe I've been saying all this time, it's not anybody but me, it's my personal business. And I know for sure that's not true. When the father is weakened, the family is weakened. When the mother is weakened spiritually, the family is weakened. When you as a friend allow things to come into your life that reduce the vitality and strength of the inner you, your circle of love and influence is affected and weakened. Work on the inner you by cooperating with God in that thing you know needs to go, all right? Something to do this week to confront. You said, I've done it before. That's all right. Do it again. Maybe you've given up on the thing you know drags you down, and you're just thinking, I just can't beat it. Hey, maybe you think God's not going to forgive you because you've asked too often. We all know that routine, okay? It's time to come to God again and say, God, I'm not content to let this thing in my life drag me down and drag down the ones I love. I'm just not going to let it do. I'm, and I, I ask you for forgiveness and for the strength to confront this thing and be the person on the inside you've called me to be. When Paul had a chance to pray for his friends in Ephesus, and who knows what they might have been experiencing from the government and from opposition forces. What he prayed for them was to be strengthened through the power of God and by his spirit in their inner being. And then he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So I want to challenge you. This is the third way I want you to cooperate with God. Stay focused on Christ, all right? That's the third way. Kneel before the Father in your sorrows. Be strengthened in your inner being. 
and stay focused on Christ. Paul tells us again and again, it is Christ in you which is the hope of glory. I want you to stay in Christ. So it is Christ in me and me in Christ. This vital relationship that I have with him. I thought Christ was already dwelling in us. And he is. Christ in us is the hope of glory. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. I'm going to be in you. All right? So Christ in me is the hope of glory. And yet he prays here that you may be strengthened in your inner being so that Christ may dwell. And it's the word for house turned into a verb. So he may take housing. He can set up residence in your hearts and it's by faith so I want to stop for a moment and say this requires faith but I don't want you to opt out if you think well I hadn't got enough faith nobody in the room feels like they have enough faith not a single one me included we all are praying for more faith we want to be able to trust God more completely and entrust our problems to him more readily and more fully so everybody in the room needs more faith I want to tell you good news about your faith, okay? You got enough faith. You have enough faith. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples when he said, you can have faith as small as the tiniest seed in the garden. The little tiny mustard seed, almost invisible to the eye. And if you had that much faith, and you were to walk in it and live in it, you could say to the mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea, and it would be done, and nothing would be impossible unto you. So I want to say, you who are trembling on the edge, and worry, and have doubts, and fears, and you wonder if there's any faith in your heart, you got enough faith. you got a little bit of faith right in there. You may be like the fellow that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's all right, come to God like that. Now, take the little faith you have that God is watching over you, that he loves you and cares for you. Take that little bit of faith and walk in it this week. Without faith, it can be mustard seed faith. But if you reject your faith, if you leave your faith behind, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And your faith is about believing that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So you got a little bit of faith. It's enough faith this week to live in the presence of God and focus on Christ. Now, the thing is, the heart is the center of who you are. That's what it is. It's the psychological center of the human personality in the Bible. It's the most common psychological word in the Bible as as a matter of fact, used over 600 times to describe the inner you, the heart. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, in the middle of you, in the inner you, in the center of you, in the center of your personality. Take that little bit of faith and say, Lord, I know that you want to be and need to be the center, so I'm going to stay focused on you. Don't send Jesus for a trip to the grocery store when you want to do the thing that makes you weak spiritually. All right? Let him dwell here. Let him live here. Don't send him away. Don't give him a reprieve. Don't give him a vacation. Have him stay right here, dwelling in your heart by faith so that Christ, who is in the center of you, who is your focus, he is your touchstone for all the decisions that you make tomorrow. You go to work, and you're trying to work out things with relationships and problems and ethical issues, and what do you do? You keep Christ at the forefront of your mind and your heart. He's dwelling there in your heart, and so you're making decisions that are consistent with the person and the work of Christ. You may sometimes ask the question, I mean, what would Jesus do in this situation? And sometimes you're still in a quandary, but lots of times you think, oh, Jesus would probably show love and compassion, and that's probably what I ought to do. Lots of times it's clarifying to think about who Jesus is, what his work is, what his purpose is in you. 
and then to make your decision based on Jesus himself and who he is. Let Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Let him take up residence here. Now, this, what this will look like is this, okay? You will be rooted and established in love, okay? You will be rooted and established in love. My sweet wife, Janet, takes all kinds of stems from plants, and she puts them in water. Sometimes I say to her, that is not going to work, Janet. It's amazing how many times it does work. And that stem that would have died actually puts out roots. And it happened here recently where I said, you got these things in the water? And sure enough, there she is. Honey, I just saw you. That's right. They grow roots, don't they? (laughs) So this is how God wants you to be. He wants you to be rooted in love. You say, where's the love come from? It comes from the ocean. The ocean of God's love. God wants to do this work in you so that you might grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. And so that you might get rooted in that love. God's love for you is astonishing and amazing. It's his defining characteristic. When one thing above all others defines the character of God, it is love that moves in front of him like I saw that total eclipse. You say, what do you see when you look at God? You look at love. John the Apostle says twice, God is love. And he who loves lives in God. I was so glad I saw that total eclipse. That was fun. I loved it. I went outside and I looked around. I thought, hey, where's the moon? There's no moon. I can't see the moon. I talked to a lady with a great big old telescope on on the uh, pool of the hotel on the fifth floor. And she was looking out there and I said, can you see the moon? Because I know it's got to be somewhere. No, can't see the moon. You can't even see the moon with that telescope. I can't find the moon. I couldn't find the moon. I walked out and looked around and then I put those glasses on. And it's already halfway into the sun. Already clearly, when I put the glasses on, I could see that it was halfway into the sun. You know what's amazing about the eclipse? When you get to the total, and it was total for 90 seconds on that parking lot. When you get to the total, you can take the glasses off and look right at it. I thought about all the people who don't want to see God because they're afraid of what he's going to say of condemnation. They feel like their deeds just don't qualify them to get before God. And then I think about how the love of God moves in front of all that fear we have. And suddenly, the nature and quality of God is dominated by His love. And that's the truth about the God who made the universe. Love is the quality And it's an ocean of love. And it surpasses understanding. You're never going to be able to fully understand how much God loves you. Why he designed you so marvelously. The eye, the hand, everything that works about you. How he designed the world so beautifully all around you. How he gave you so much opportunity to care for people. And is able to pour love into your life. You'll never comprehend it. You'll never get your arms around it. But we want you to get a taste of it. And as you swim in the ocean of God's love, you are rooted and established in that love. And that's how you grow up in here. That's how you grow up. God needs your cooperation in developing you into the loving being he made you to be. You are a product of his love He gave you the opportunity to love. He commands you to love because it is the highest calling that he can give you. He calls you to love him. He calls you to love your neighbor and all those around you and even your enemies and the people who treat you wrong in order that you can be all he has called you to be in love. And you will attain to the full measure of the fullness of God 
only as you become the lover God intends for you to be. Rooted and grounded in him. One other thing. To cooperate with God now. For this week. In the prayers that are being prayed for you. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. May God receive glory in his church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's how he ends this. Give God the glory. Why is God needing me to give him glory? Because when you give him glory, you are recognizing who he really is. You want me as a friend to know you and love you and to know who you are and not to love an imaginary you or an idea of you that I think you ought to be, but to actually love you because that's what love is. Love faces the reality. Love knows the truth. Love understands. Janet's been living with me for 45 years. She understands David Crosby, and she still loves me, and that's an amazing work of God's love, okay? But we want to know the one we love. And if you know the God of this universe, every day, if you know him, he is the glorious God who made all things and sent his son to save you and deliver you from your sin. He died on the cross out of that love. You will give him glory because you know who he is. And if you don't give him praise and glory, you're, you have an imaginary God in your head, one that doesn't really deserve praise and glory from you. You're not really relating to the one true God who loves you and made you. That's why we give him glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, in our personal lives. You see, actually, all the way from the front to the end, this prayer is about worship. For this reason, I kneel as an act of worship before the Father whom I worship, knowing that everything in heaven and earth derives its name from him. And I pray that he might strengthen me in my inner being through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith and that I, being rooted and established in love, may know and grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ that surpasses understanding. And as I give him glory, I acknowledge who he is. It is part of cooperating with God in the prayers that are prayed for you. I couldn't help but think about our worship here collectively as we come together as this chapter finished. And I'm so grateful that God has given us Rick Draper, who is God's man for the hour in leading us in worship here. He's going to start the first week of October. He'll be with the choir October 4th. And when he felt that call of God, after a long time of prayer and discussion, I told him, we will be praying for you for the next month. He is training people. He's helping his church get ready because he's going to leave. And he has felt called to come and be part of the staff and ministry of First Baptist New Orleans. And so, every day, I want us to pray for him and prepare our hearts for what God intends to do as he becomes our worship leader. He's a man who loves God. He starts out his resume with that. He doesn't start out with the amazing keyboard work he does. He starts out with, I'm a guy who loves God and loves people. And you know it after you talk to him. God's been working in his life, and he knows how to give God the worship due his name. And I'm thrilled that he is coming. So this week, let's worship. Let's worship individually. Let's get on our knees by our bed. Let's make ourselves vulnerable for, before God. Let's bring him our petitions. Let's stay focused in Christ and in the growth and health of the inner me. And let's give him glory. And next week, when we meet together, it will be amazing what God will do. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we'll have wonderful experiences in your presence this week as we get on our knees to pray. 
that you will do a work in us, in our inner being. Lord, I pray for that one thing in everybody's life that draws us back and pulls us down and keeps us weak inside. I pray for victory over that temptation, that problem, that habit, that difficulty. God, I pray for victory as we work on the inner us this week. Lord, I pray that you will be our focus all week long. And God, that we might bring you glory day by day. Thank you for being the marvelous God who loves us with this ocean of love that we could not fathom or imagine. Thank you for drawing us to yourself in your love, for rooting us and establishing us in that love so that we can be more like you and more fully who you called us and made us to be. And so, Lord, now we pray that even in this moment, we would cooperate with you and what you're doing in our lives, what you're speaking, what you're working in us. Lord, make us obedient. Make us malleable in your hands, even this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.